Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt. And in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Brendan Kane, a business innovation strategist, an international speaker, and a best-selling author of the book's One Million Followers and Hookpoint, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. He's considered one of the top digital influencer strategists in the world that has built applications and platforms for celebrities such as Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Exhibit, Charles Barkley, and more. During his career, he's worked with large companies in the entertainment industry like MGM, Lionsgate, Sony, Yahoo, MTV, and Rock Band. He's most recently known for generating 1 million followers in less than 30 days, thanks to his best-selling book, 1 Million Followers, where he reveals the strategies he used to become successful. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Super excited to have you on. Uh, I've been following you for a while and, and seeing some of the interviews you've been in, and I think that you're a real interesting guy. Um, most notably as well, how I sort of first found you was I was looking at, you know, how do I grow my social following and things like that. And of course, I stumbled across your book and and, and how you grow a million followers in 30 days, which we'll definitely touch on today. But can you give, give our audience some little insight on you, some background, so I've got some context? Yeah, so I've been in the space for some time. Some people, I think, misinterpret the book and the purpose behind the book and things like that, and we can get into it. But I've been in digital technology and even social media back as long as like 2004, 2005. So it's not like I just came on the scene one day and just decided I want to be a social media expert. And I don't even really think I'm a social media expert. And I'll explain kind of what that means later. But I initially wanted to be a film producer. And I went to film school to hopefully learn about business because producing movies you know, requires business uh, knowledge and acumen. And when I showed up, I quickly realized they don't teach you anything about business in film school. So I thought the best way to really learn about business is to start your own in the most cost-efficient way at the time. And it still holds true today is to start internet companies so I started a few internet companies really just to learn and experiment. And then when I showed up in, in LA in 2005, I started like everybody else, you know, started at the bottom, making coffees and copies and deliveries and was looking for a way to kind of rise above that noise and stand out in a very cutthroat and competitive industry. And when people would ask why I moved there and I would tell them I'm a film, I wanted to be a film producer, I could just see everybody's eyes glaze over. Because I was just one of a million people wanting to do that. So I really had to take a step back and analyze, well, how do I stand out? And I just started listening and, and observing uh, what would happen in the, in the studio office. And I just recognized that when we finished a, a film, something that we invested tens of millions, some cases hundreds of millions of dollars to produce a single piece of content. And then we needed hundreds of millions of people to know about this single piece of content in months to have any chance of generating a profit, let alone not losing a ton of money, uh, that created a lot of stress and anxiety for the people that made that content. So 
I basically said, listen, I have this experience. I know how to tap into these traffic sources and whether it was a blog, a website, or the earliest forms of social media, MySpace and Friendster at the time. And you know, we can do it for a fraction of the cost that we're paying for television and, and radio and print, and in some cases, no cost at all. And that allowed me to go from making coffee to creating a digital division for the first studio and working directly with producers, executives, directors, actors on, on how to really get the message out there in a powerful way. Uh, one of the strategies that I developed uh, during that time is creating the first ever influencer campaign on YouTube. This was back in like 2007 for a movie with uh, Jason Statham uh, called Crank. Uh, and then from there, I just saw that the studio system was more corporate than I anticipated. You know, people think making movies is so sexy and creative, but it's another business. It's another corporation. And I just realized that I'm an entrepreneur at heart and it was just not resonating with me. Uh, so I left and started building tech platforms and licensing them back to big media companies. So that's when I uh, licensed platforms to like MTV and Viacom and Vice Magazine and Yahoo and Paramount. And, you know, the MTV partnership was really beneficial in that they would bring people like a Taylor Swift or a Rihanna uh, to, to kind of build technology or help them with their base. Uh, so that was kind of the, the foray into the entrepreneurial space. But I'll stop there. And just that's kind of how I got the start. There's a lot more to the story of where it went, um, but I'm sure we'll touch on it. Yeah, that's it's super interesting. Well, one thing I am really intrigued by, and, and you don't think of it like this, but it is, right? Like you spend millions of dollars on one piece of content, hundreds of millions of dollars on one piece of content, and then you got to go out there and promote it. And, and as you said it, I was like, yeah. Whereas I think about movies, I'm like, oh, they make a movie and then, you know, stuff happens and I watch it and it's cool. But you don't think about the fact that, you know, what, what if I went and spent $100 million making a piece of content? How would I then make my money back and not lose it? And that's the movie industry. And obviously, radio and TV and print and then doing promotional things. And I assume that actors would go out and do stuff and all that kind of thing to kind of promote it. And this was really a game change using social at a time when people would have not probably respected social very much like they do today. Especially when we were doing it, because doing the first ever influencer campaign on YouTube, if you actually like the movie Crank, you can see there's like a little featurette on it on the, on the Blu-ray DVD. But at that stage, there was no such thing as an influencer. It just didn't exist. There was no term for it. And I just looked at it and said, like, these YouTubers are generating all these views. And again, YouTuber wasn't even a term. This was like the first like year or two years into YouTube. And I just said, hey, I'm going to message the top 100 and say, do you want to interview a movie star? I got four of them to respond and I didn't pay anything for it. You do that today, they're going to be like, yeah, cut me a $50,000 or $100,000 check. So at the time, uh, we got away with a lot you know, in terms of things that, that we just didn't have to pay for, uh, because it was so novel, uh, at the time. Uh, but obviously as people picked up on it, the, the landscape changed and evolved and it keeps evolving. And with it, you need to create new strategies and we kept doing it. And still, I, I work with some producers or, or friends of mine that have films and we're always, when I do do it, you still have to come up with new ways. Like this, what you did last time is not necessarily going to work this time around. I see that being newer to this world, I suppose you could say, especially uh, compared to yourself. I saw that with TikTok. Uh, when TikTok came out, and the first I heard about it was Gary Vee talking about it. And then he kept saying, yeah, you should probably be on TikTok. And um, I didn't take really any notice. And then I start seeing, what's, what's her name? Charlie D'Amelio, I think 
that I think that's how it is, explodes with TikTok. And now you've got this audience. And when you've got an audience, you can do almost whatever you want. Um, we're seeing that with Jake Paul and, and what he's doing with, with fighting at the moment. Can you speak to that a little bit about the power of almost, I suppose, niching, if you will, especially with TikTok and, and now Jake doing these fights and how you can use it to draw an audience. And then once you've got an attention of an audience, uh, what you can do with that. Yeah, it's a, it's an, a really important point because like we have a, a, a formula, like a physics to, to succeeding in today's world and delivering a message. And the first part is, are you grabbing attention? You know, are you grabbing attention in those first three seconds? Because if you don't do that, you get lost in the noise. But then secondarily is once you've grabbed attention, how long can you hold that attention for? Because without any substance to that message, it falls flat and you also, you won't grow. The algorithms will just suppress your reach. But then third to, to the real question that you have is how are you going to monetize all that attention? Because all that attention in the world doesn't mean anything if it's not sustainable, if it, if it doesn't you know, allow you to keep doing it. Now, does that mean that you have to do it for the intent of being rich? No, we work with some nonprofits and charities and things like that. And there's an amazing TED talk uh, by a guy named uh, Dan Pinlato that talks about why charities are broken. And he talks about because they're not run like businesses. So when I talk about monetization, it's not that, oh, you're doing it to sell out or you're doing it to cap, you know, take advantage of people or whatever. It, it's more about, it makes it sustainable for you to do it full-time or makes you sustainable to keep going. Because unless you're independently wealthy, you need to have that. So it's really important uh, to have a strategy in place that once you grab that attention and hold it, how are you going to turn that into a business? How are you going to monetize it for the long run, not just for the short run? Because if you look at, especially the influencer ecosystem today, uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of followers. Some of them make a ton of money. Some of them make no money. I know some people that make far more money with 10,000 followers than some people that have millions of followers. So it's really about that, that strategy and that intelligence to turn it into something. And I mean, yes, they have huge followings, but I don't necessarily consider them internet influencers. But if you look at the Kardashians, they're the perfect example of this. There's so many reality TV stars on the planet. There's so many reality shows, but they turned it into billion dollar empires. Because they had a strategy of how they take that attention and turn it into something meaningful, whether it was Kim Kardashian or whether it was uh, the younger sisters uh, like Kendall or any of them. They all have different levels of their brand. Kylie and Kim are, I think, the most successful, but each one of them have their own brand, their own products, the way they funnel that attention. You mentioned Jake and Logan Paul. Again, say what you want about them, but they're masters of grabbing that attention. And now with boxing, which I think really just started out as a passion for them, they're now seeing you know, the, the levels of the monetization that can come along with it. So yeah, it's critically important to look at it. A lot of our clients that come to us, uh, they want a bunch of followers. And I said, hold on a second. I was like, do you need to make money today? Or are you going to play that longer term game where you're going to build an audience and monetize it 12, 16 months, maybe even three years down the line? Because if you need to make money today, then we're creating different strategies. We're going to generate that profit, generate that revenue, and then reinvest into your audience. Because people look at these like a Logan or a Jake um, or even the Kardashians and they think, 
oh, well, they just made all this money right away. No, they've been grinding. They've been doing this a long time. People don't realize how much effort and work it goes into cultivating and building an audience uh, and maintaining that connection. I think people see an influencer speaking in front of a camera and think, oh, they just turn on a camera, they talk, and they're done. It's a lot harder than that. Even look at Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been doing that for over 12 years. It's not like all of a sudden the first six months he starts a podcast and he blows up. Uh, So I think people underappreciate or don't understand what it means to really get into this space. That's people. You know what I mean? Like I'm a health professional and and you can liken that to them just coming in with 15 years of chronic pain and wanting it to be gone tomorrow. And I also help them with their businesses, you know, and uh, and it's the same thing. People walk in and think, oh, I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to run a Facebook ad and I'm going to be rich. I feel like what happens is we we look at something the uh, for example, the, the Paul brothers, right? We see them now and then we think, who are these kids? And oh, they've got a bunch of followers. Oh, they just make videos on YouTube. And I guess they've come out of nowhere because I haven't seen them and then they've just appeared. And we skip the middle and go, well, therefore, I got to get a hold of followers. And I like what you said, right? It's like, are you, are you building an audience and nurturing it and monetizing it in three years? Or are you trying to make cash now? Because what's interesting with me is that we do a couple million a year. I have a terrible social media uh, presence and following, and we're just starting to do, try and do some stuff with that. And the podcast is, is a part of that, reaching out and nurturing our audience and having conversations and holding attention. But we built it from having a good product at the center, selling that product, and then I've thought, now I probably need to get more eyeballs on it if I really want to kind of take over the world. So we've done it in the reverse. Uh, we monetized, held attention, and now I'm looking at trying to, how do I grab attention? Whereas a lot of people jump on and they make TikToks and they get some followers and then they have no idea what to do with that. And now I've got 100,000 followers on TikTok and I just make videos. And why am I, why am I not rich uh, like Jake Paul? Yeah. And I think that the way that you built it is really smart. And I typically advise people to build it that way because you're in a position where it's more sustainable. It's like you can play the long-term game of learning this stuff and not, you know, have to quit halfway through because you got to figure out how to make your next payroll or things like that. Uh, and we work with a lot of people in that capacity. Like we, we started working with a company that does about 13 billion a year in revenue. They got a hundred creatives on their team and their content is bombing. And we have to rebuild their entire structure of how they produce content. Uh, so like people in your position or companies like that, it affords them the opportunity to invest, to play the long-term game, to, to, to be committed to it. And I think also people like yourself that have had some level of success understand what it takes to be successful at something. They don't expect things to happen, you know, right away versus somebody just jumping in, in their first endeavor. You know, typically they they think things happen like magic pills. You're going to, you're just going to read a book or do a consultation or take a course. And all of a sudden you're going to be rich and perfect at something. No, it takes time. doesn't mean the information is not good, but people can deliver all the information in the world to you, but you still got to implement it. You still got to understand it. You still got to execute on it. And that takes time. In terms of if I was thinking, okay, I, I need to up my content game, what would be the sort of 30,000 foot view in terms of strategic approach? Would I be looking at documenting more about what I'm doing? Would I be looking at more creating content for specific purposes? 
is there any particular platforms that if I was to begin, I should look at? Or should I just test and see what I feel like I like? Because there's so many platforms, there's so many things you can do. There's so many ways to do it. Yeah, what's your sort of 30,000 foot view knowing me for 30 seconds? Well, it's the, it's the same place we start with everybody as you do the research. People jump into content before actually analyzing the different platforms. Who's successful? Who's not successful? Breaking down why somebody's successful versus somebody's not successful. Even diving into somebody that is operating at the highest levels and see their highest performers versus the lowest performers. Because it's interesting, we look at science. It's like, let's just take the vaccine, for example. Uh, And I'm not gonna talk about the efficacies of whether it's good or bad, but in developing a vaccine, there's years and years of science that they're relying on to inform their decisions, right or wrong. It's not like they just go into a laboratory and just start from scratch and be like, you know, I think that this would be a good idea and I'm not going to look at the historical past hundred years of what's worked or what's not worked. They, they leverage data, you know, and it's anything in science, they do this. I think it was uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about science and, and space and all of that and whether it's UFOs. And he was just talking about how there's so much scrutiny in, in science. Like you have to prove everything. You have to let, look at data. Yet when, when it comes to creative, we throw everything out the window. We just say, oh, I'm going to do this because I think it looks pretty. Or I'm going to do this because I feel like it, it, it would be fun for me to create. Not thinking about like we're sitting on millions, if not billions of data points on all these social platforms that you can dig in and see right away what's working, what's not working. And make a hypothesis of how that can apply to your message or brand. So that's the first place to start is like, what platform do you use the most? Why do you use that platform? What are the content formats that are working and not working? And then make the decision, okay, where should I start? It's like references are the best tool in the world. I use references for everything. If I'm building a website, let me go find the websites that I think are converting the best. I'm starting LinkedIn ads. Let me go look at LinkedIn ads. We're running Facebook ads. Let's go to the Facebook ad library. Like there's people that have spent years and millions of dollars to figure things out. Why are you going to kind of start off just because you want to try and be original or unique? It's like that typically never works. It's like you're reinventing the wheel. Mm, I I couldn't agree more. Again, like we talked about the start, people don't understand the work that goes into it. And they see people who have done something unique or have just kind of come out of nowhere, made some videos because they liked it and happened to blow up and think, therefore, that's the best strategy or I'm going to go and do that. And when you talk about data, I can even feel myself going, oh man, that's a lot of work. And it's like, yeah, because success takes work. And if you want to win, you got to put in the work and and content's no different. Just because it's social media and you and your friends upload photos of you know what you're having for dinner, it doesn't mean you can become an influencer and make money doing that same thing just because Kim K does it. You're missing the fact that there are millions and millions of people doing that and nothing's happening because they're not being strategic. Anything else you want to add to that? Or can you also speak to Mr. Beast? I had, can't think of his name at the moment out of my head, but I had him on the show who is primary strategist for Mr. Beast, who I assume you, you, you know of. And he's got a very strategic content plan and he's come out and he's exploding. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, Mr. Beast is is probably 
one of the smartest content creators when it comes to really understanding how to to grab attention and hold attention. I mean, you just go to his YouTube channel, you look at his thumbnails and headlines, and it's like, who doesn't want to see what that's about? But it's not just that he's generating clickbait or anything, because I the difference between clickbait and somebody like Mr. Beast is clickbait doesn't match up to the expectation set. It kind of misleads. His thumbnails and headlines are the best hook points because it plays to a general audience. It intrigues you to come in. You want to see what happens. But it's not just that. His storytelling is really amazing because all of this when it comes to social is you have to grab the attention, yes, but you have to hold the attention because that's how these platforms make money. The longer people stay on the platform, the more ads they can serve, the more money they will make. So they are looking for the content that holds the attention for as long as possible. And if you do that, you will go viral. You will get massive reach. If you don't, you'll get suppressed. So if Mr. Beast was generating a lot of clicks on his thumbnails and headlines, but he wasn't holding the attention to audience, he would not be where he's at today. So one of his videos, I was buried alive for 56 hours or whatever that is. You know what's going to happen at the end. He's going to get out. He's not going to die. Or the other one is I was in jail for 48 hours or something like that. You know what the ending is going to be, but you want to watch to the end because he doesn't reveal it. Like there's another YouTuber, Graham Stefan, that did a video, um, how I bought a test for $78. And if you watch the video, he doesn't reveal how he actually did it until the eight or nine minutes in. And it's not to say that he was putting fluff into it. He's a great storyteller. But it's it's the same thing you mentioned movies, watching movies. If we sit down and watch Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise, we know what's going to happen in the end. He's going to beat the bad guy. But yet, we still watch because still watch. it's a story. It's a story. And that's where the, the, the best social content creators are storytellers. And Mr. Beast is an amazing storyteller. He sets the expectation and he delivers on the expectation. But he doesn't deliver on what the actual outcome is in the beginning of the video. It's at the end of the video. So that's where that, that comes in. And you know, monetization, he's playing at such a high level that you know he brings in a lot of ad dollars and merch sales. And he's been open that he's not really generating profit. He's building for a, a massive brand, which I think is really unique and brilliant with so many people that are so focused on the short-term profit building. It takes a lot of a lot of guts and commitment to believe in yourself in the long-term vision. And that's what he's doing is he's not really generating profit, but he's just building this massive brand uh, that's going to be around for a very long time. 100%. It was Daryl Eves is, is who I had on and we were talking about this. And he said that exact thing. He said he's, he's, his goal is not to make a bunch of money. His goal is to be the best YouTuber, best creator etc and so there's a lot of investment into the videos and a lot of redirecting profits back in and he spends an exorbitant amount making these episodes and planning them out and doing it properly and if we're an influencer we're doing it to to grab a lot of attention uh, from the general audience and sometimes specific of course but more general and then through that monetize the eyeballs if we're a business we're trying to capture our audience and draw them into our product and service. How do you see them next to each other? Do you see them as the same thing? Do you see them, uh, it's, it's the same strategy applied in a slightly different way or is it completely different strategies for someone who's capturing attention and then trying to make 
money versus someone like me who makes money and then wants to capture attention on what he's doing? I think it's the same. And I think you bring up a very interesting point is you talk about attract our audience. And when it comes to specifically for organic, one of the biggest mistakes people make is they try and design their content for a very specific audience. So they say, well, I want to target males 45 plus. And it's like, the minute you do that, or it's or it's even worse, it's like males 45 plus that are interested in books or, or something like that. The minute you do that with organic, you're dead. Because again, going back to what the algorithms are looking for, they're looking for number one, are you stopping the scroll? Or is YouTube earning the click on the thumbnail and headline? And number two, how long are you holding that attention for? So maybe you have a thousand followers or 5,000 followers of that specific audience. But the minute the algorithm tests to extend that beyond that audience and they see that it's not stopping the scroll or holding the attention, it's going to suppress the reach right away because you have become a liability. So the best way to do this is how do you make your content accessible and interesting to the general audience, even if they are not your potential customer at the end of the day? because that's where you get maximum reach. Now, let me give you an example. There is a real estate agent named Ryan Serhan. So at this point, he's probably one of the most famous real estate agents in the world. He started off on a TV show, Million Dollar Listing. And this is not the reason he's successful because I can point to a number of celebrities and personalities from television or film that just suck at social. Uh, but he started getting really into social media and he built a YouTube channel. And he's, I think he's close to 2 million subscribers. and what he has done so brilliantly is he focuses on very high-end property in New York. Like he's selling 10, 30, $50 million penthouse apartments. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm just going to create content for that ultra 1% that can afford this, I'm going to make this accessible and interesting to the general population. So he creates videos like touring a $7 million closet in New York City touring a $188 million property. So everybody wants to see what that looks like. That's interesting. And what he'll do is with that, that, that storytelling technique, he'll get millions and millions of views. And he knows that out of those people, 99.9999% can never afford these places. But just one or two or three people that see it out of those millions, they are interested. And he's talked about, he sold... 10 and $20 million penthouses off of somebody seeing one of his YouTube videos. So what he's doing so brilliantly is he's hitting his core demo, no matter how small it is, because he's playing to the algorithms and generate all that massive reach. But at the same time, he's building a massive brand that leads to far more opportunities that will then again connect with his core audience. So it's like, if you're going in specifically with organic. And I would say this applies to paid as well, but we'll just focus on organic. But you're going in is that I'm designing a piece of content for males 45 plus that are interested in soccer or interested in co-working spaces or something. You're dead. You're never going to grow. It's just, it's not happening because there's just so much competition and so much of content that the algorithms could see versus your content that you're just like, why? It's just a liability. People are scrolling past it. Is that, and this might be an ignorant question, but is that 
still apply in search base, for example, with YouTube? If, if people well, that's the interesting in- thing is most people, most people think that most views come from search or it doesn't it comes from suggested videos. I don't know the exact number, but I would bet about 80 to 90% of YouTube's traffic is suggested video, not search. No, I'm not saying like, listen, if you want to do search for a very specific goal and you're going to monetize off a few thousand viewers, you can do that. But I don't know if you've ever done search. It's not easy. Yeah, you got to have a real expertise just to master that. We're not in the search game. We are not SEO experts. I will never claim to be. I'll never offer SEO to people. We specialize in going back to the beginning of my story of... I was trained early on. I've got to think big or otherwise I get fired. I could not go into a movie meeting talking about how we're going to reach 10,000 or 100,000 people. I just, that's not the world that I started in. So people are coming to us because they want to reach the highest levels, not incremental growth of how we do 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 views through search. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing that because there's so many ways to make a lot of money. There's so many ways to be successful. And there's people that are successful that way. It's just when people talk about, I want to go viral, I want to generate a followers, I want to build a huge brand, playing the search thing is going to be a, a difficult road to, to kind of go with that. Where I'm at at the moment, I'm looking at it and going, I serve health professionals who are in business and I help them to grow their practices. And so when we were planning out jumping into YouTube, uh, I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, well, what are people searching for and how do I make better videos? that people want to to watch when looking for particular things. Now I'm talking to you and I'm thinking, maybe it needs to be uh, James talking about stuff that's far more interesting to the general population about health professionals, healthcare, et cetera, that attracts an audience. And there'll be- I would go that direction. Mm. That's going to pay more dividends. You'll still attract your core audience, but you're going to attract more people. Two accounts to look at, Dr. Mike, T's turn the medical thing into, into virality and success by combining his, his knowledge and expertise uh, into pop culture TV shows, pop culture concepts, and things like that. And then there's another one is, you know, because most people think, well, you can't make anything viral. You can't. Look at a YouTube account called Clear Tax Value. It's all about taxes. Clear and the tax guy value. was. He was so brilliant. He hit it perfectly at COVID of creating these stories about stimulus checks and things like that. And it's literally just him sitting in front of a desk. And like his his virality is insane. Like he's averaging hundreds of thousands of views of video. Is it Mr. Beast numbers? No. But you're talking about taxes. I would play that game. That's just kind of where we go. But again, we're not SEO experts and I'm not going to sit here and dilute you know, going after, you know, specific keyword terms and and things like that, because it it can be successful. It just, I think you just, you're playing, playing a bit of a smaller game where there's, again, it's harder to do what I'm talking about, but the the payoff is, is much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked up Dr. Mike because I wanted to confirm that it was the same guy. And yeah, I watch his stuff. I find Dr. Mike's stuff hilarious. I really appreciate you coming on the show, my friend, I've learned a lot of stuff from you. Where can our audience connect with you online and see more about what you're up to? Yeah. If they want to learn more about kind of how we work with people, they can go to hookpoint.com. Uh, even if you're interested in social media and the million followers concept, I would start with Hookpoint because again, it sets the foundation of everything that we talked about and it will set you up for success with social media. Uh, so if you want to get that book, you can go to book.hookpoint.com. 
uh, or you can also you can also buy it anywhere books are sold. It's pretty much both of the books are sold sold anywhere. So uh, those are the the two kind of areas that are places that I would start. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of your time in Europe. I'm jealous and uh, you take care. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you're watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.